What is up? Welcome to another episode of Obsessed with the Game. So right now you can probably hear a cricket. That's because we're in nature. Um, but anyways, today's episode tres, three, which is I want to talk about the origin story of me. Like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? So yeah. So right now I just finished a battle with that cricket. He's in the attic. But since since it's night, I don't doesn't really bother me. It's like this peaceful thing. Uh, I actually wanted to kill it, but I couldn't find it, so I'm just gonna leave it up there. He's a savage. I've I've made noise and he just doesn't care. He's the lucky one though. But anyways, I'm gonna ignore that. Let's talk about this story. So it, it all started in elementary school. Yes, elementary school. Hmm. I went to an elementary school in Grand Prairie, Texas called David Daniels. And it, it was pretty funny. So this is going to be a long podcast because I'm, I'm just going to spill it all out, all the insecurities, every single detail no filters, zero filters. I'm just going to spell it out. Elementary school. The thing that I love the most was probably Call of Duty on Xbox. Let's be real. It was Call of Duty Black Ops 1 at the time. And then finishing elementary, like I believe fifth grade was Black Ops 2, I think. But yes, that's what I like doing on my spare time. Coming from school. Actually, my school was like about a block, five minutes walking distance from where I used, where I lived. So it was it was pretty fun just walking home, finishing homework, and then hopping on COD. But the the thing that we had at home, we didn't have the subscription that allowed us to play with other people. So what me and my brother would do is play with bots and just shoot bots all the time. That was fun. And we would play with each other, too. We were very competitive. It, it was fun. Great times. We would play zombies. Uh, that was fun. So let me just go a little bit more into the backstory of the family. I have a brother and a sister and a mother and a father. <laughs> like, no shit, bro. Like, <laughs> you obviously. <laughs> so, yes, I have. Uh, it's, it's a family of five in total. We have one great Dane. He's a big, big girl. And then we have two little uh, Cocker Spaniels, which is two small girls. So we have three dogs, all females. Love them. They're like my little sisters. My daughter spent a lot of time with them. Makes me feel guilty. But back to the elementary story. Boom. So elementary school. I'm not going to lie. Finishing elementary school fifth grade was when I started getting hooked as embarrassing as this as this is, is I was starting to get hooked on this. I wish that I could be like the cool kids. They all seem to fit in like that thing. I, I I was trying to be a cool kid, and it started in fifth grade. So in my elementary school, kids used to smoke. Check check check. I'm not getting arrested. They used to smoke weed, weed, marijuana. <laughs> Mary Iguana and I just used to uh, 
this is embarrassing. I had I had a best friend at that time. His name was uh, Juan. Yeah, it was Juan Juan Ramirez. If you're watching this, hit me up, bro. It's been a while, but me and him, we we were trying to get into the Cool Kids Club. You know, they smoked weed on recess. They used to hang out with each other. You know, that was cool. I don't know why that was cool. They just used to hang out, and we used to play like we were having fun. They were just sitting down in a group. Like, why was that fun? I don't know. But our goal was to get in that group. So me and Juan, we used to brainstorm stuff like, how, how, how do we get in? So what we did one time, we knew that they liked weed. So we, not lying, I swear to whatever you believe in, we used to get cilantro, which is a, uh, I don't know what it's, it's, it's a type of leaf. You crush it up and it looks like weed, I guess, cilantro. Pretty sure you heard about it or seen it. And it's what you put in menudo. No, no, it wasn't cilantro. It was oregano. It's what you put in uh, menudo. It's like this. It looks very similar to weed. And we used to pull it on Ziploc bags. We used to take it to school. And we used to hide it, pretending it was weed, trying to be cool. We used to show it to, <laughs> we used to, show it to other kids. And we thought we were cool. But, uh, yeah. And then one time, Juan, he brought a cigarette. And he smoked it in the restroom. He didn't. He took a what? What is that? A puff? A sniff? He took a puff. I, I don't really do drugs, but I, uh, he took a puff, and he put it up, and we thought we were called like, "Damn, bro, you really just took a puff of that of that cigarette, dude." Fuck. And we had like these little box where we stored all of our cool stuff: the oregano, the cigarette, the lighter, and that's all we did in elementary school. Fast forwarding to fast forwarding to middle school, the trying to be the cool kid kind of faded away a little bit. It started fading away, and I started really, really getting passionate about Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft was my thing, and Halo on PC. Halo Combat Evolved on PC. I used to play that a lot. I used to be go. I, I could have went pro if I had the online subscription. I. Uh, Anyways, uh, <laughs> sixth grade, sixth grade was one of the, uh, so middle school was the year that I used to, uh, I'm not saying this to like for sympathy or your empathy, uh, but I used to get bullied in middle school because of my teeth. They used to be kind of fucked up in my head. I got a pretty big head, bro. Uh, so I used to get bullied for those two things and it was mainly the, uh, like the football kids, the cool kids. So I think that's why the wanting to be the cool kids kind of faded away because they used to pick on me. So it makes sense. I don't want to be like the cool kids. So uh, sixth grade. But one of the cool kids, his name was Jesse. He was a big dude. He was the biggest student there, you know, big and tall. And I had him for a class, a math class. And he actually started like talking to me like, I don't know why he thought I was cool. He thought me playing Minecraft on my phone, on an iPod I had at the time because I didn't have a phone. Well, everybody had like these telephones that you could text and stuff. I had an iPod. You can just listen to music and play games. And he used to fuck with me. He used to, I don't know. He, I just, it was the first time that I realized that, that there's good people out there. And he used to, he used to have my back. He used to uh, say like he was my big bro and that was cool. I remember one time, 
after gym, I there's like these two water fountains in front of the gym. Because as soon as you enter the gym, there's two water fountains. And at the end of the gym period, we were leaving. And this kid uh, was uh, picking on me. And then Jesse just came up. I, I can't remember vividly if he pushed him or with his chest. And he said, what's up, bro? And I just felt like I remember the feeling of like relief. Like somebody has my back. That was pretty cool. Fuck. If you're out there, Jesse, hope you're grinding, bro. And you're taking care of yourself. Thank you. Uh, I never even told him thank you for having my back all this time. He used to have my back all the time, bro, because I, I used to get picked on a lot. What is it? U.S. history, I used to get picked on. He had my back. He he used to have, like, this phrase. I said, what's up, bro? And you just shut up, bro, because he's way bigger than you. Like, it was just really cool. His name was Jesse Palomas. Jesse Palomas. Cool dude. And um, there's a word I'm trying to use. It's not loyal. It's more stronger than that. It's uh, down-to-earth individual. He was cool, but he didn't care about none of that. So, yeah, well, a good, good guy. So, fast forward into seventh grade. I didn't have any more classes with them. That sucked. I was on my own in the battlefield. I was a gardener in war. <laughs> what am I saying? But seventh grade was when I started making friends with other Minecraft kids we used to play after school. Because at that time, we had a, at home, we had a computer PC for everybody, the family PC. And luckily, it could run Minecraft at a decent graphics. And that's what I used to do. <laughs> and guess what? As soon as I finished playing Minecraft on the computer, guess what I did? I watched YouTube. Guess what I watched on YouTube? People play Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to sleep, and it was just a repeat, repeat. And, yeah, seventh grade was when I got picked on as well. I remember seventh grade was – I used to get – sixth grade was mostly picked on because uh, – it was just in general, like, dude, you're ugly. So, And seventh grade was the big head one, seventh grade. They said, man, you got a big head. <laughs> fuck, yeah. I was like, fuck. I, I didn't know what to say back. I was just like, fuck. And then I remember this one time, I believe it was U.S. history. I was in class sitting down in your desk. You know, there's roles. I was in my lane, in my role, in my desk. And then to the right of me, this kid, he was African-American. I still remember vividly African-American. He's looking at me. I don't, I'm not racist or anything. I, I'm just trying to, so you can picture this in your head. He was on my right. He was cool, you know, buff, football player. Good looking, you know, no homo. And behind him was a girl. She was like one of the hot girls. And he was picking on me. And he was like, bro, big head. And I felt kind of bad because, not because he was picking on me, but before that, sixth grade, we were cool. We were cool. I used to bring chips. And he would ask for some. Now we'll give him some. And I'm like, fuck. Seventh grade, he's picking on me. I'm like, what the fuck in my head? I'm like, fuck. What the fuck happened? So, anyways, uh, I soon, but he kept picking on me. That same, that go back, going back to that day, he was picking on me on that class. 
he kept picking on me for like a couple of minutes. And then the girl behind him, out of nowhere, just said, I would date you. And she was talking to me. Because I believe he was saying, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly or something. And then she said, I would date you. To me. Now look at her. And in my head, I'm like, stop lying. Stop fucking lying. In my head, I was saying that. But then I just looked at her. I was scared. And bro, my face was just fear. Just fear. And that's another reinforcement that there's good people out there. Like all over my, all throughout my life, people stood up for me. Now that I look back, I see it. And I'm like, there's good in people. That was that was a cool moment. She kind of lifted me up a little bit. It worked a little bit, but I knew she was full of BS. <laughs> but she had good intentions. She had good intentions. And then at that time, I still, dude, the people that always had my back were the friends of Jesse, the, the cool kid in sixth grade. They were behind me, like a couple rows back. Uh, and they told the the kid next to me, pick on me, stop, bro. And they were in the same football team. So the dude just went like, like, all right, all right, all right. Because it's two. Two Mexican dudes had my back. We weren't even cool. They just knew that I was cool with Jesse. But I didn't have Jesse on that class. So they, like, kind of looked out for me. Like, look out for the for the nerd. Uh, and then eighth grade was when I met this. I had... Uh, and the two dudes, I gotta, I gotta shout them out for getting my back that time. It was AJ. He went by AJ. Dude was cool. The other one was Ray. I, they were, they were together. Ray, cool, cool dudes. They had my back that time. Um, and then eighth grade, still playing Minecraft, still playing Halo, but I'm making a little bit more friends. I made I made some really good friends. A dude's name I met there, met that grade was name was Gabriel. Really cool. Another Edward, Jose made a made a cool friends. Misael, dude, eighth grade was probably the funniest year of my life. It was so fun. I would laugh for the dumbest stuff. It was just such a good time. I didn't get really get picked on that time, but I still, I was still, uh, I've developed insecurities based. I was an insecure kid now. I was like, fuck, I'm insecure, fuck. <laughs> so I didn't really have, throughout my whole, in elementary, I was actually talking to girls on the fifth grade. But then after sixth, seventh, and eighth, zero girls. So that was my current lifestyle. And eighth grade was, I was still playing Halo and Minecraft, can't really remember a lot of stuff, so fast forwarding to high school, freshman year, still deep, deep, I'm falling more in love into Halo now, and and this high school I went to was called the Basic Career High School, and you had, you could choose a pathway that you could dive into, and for me it was information technology, since I really love software and hardware, and I still do, so that's what I decided to go to. Oh my god, there's a cockroach right there. What the fuck? Uh, there's a lot of insects here. I am in the garage, by the way, if you were wondering. Since my family is sleeping. And I didn't want to bother them. So I'm out here. I'm really outside. So.
back to freshman year, still playing Minecraft, still playing Halo, but I'm meeting more more people throughout life. I'm meeting more cool people. This year was uh, I, I met my little I met my little group that I still talk to today. Two two people I still talk to today. Really cool, really cool dudes. Freshman year, yep, still still nerd. No, no interaction with girls. Zero. Um, was I good at school? Not really. Throughout my whole education, I was never really uh, a performer. A I'm study. I did love math though, but I've never really applied it in school. I never really wanted to go all out on a on a spreadsheet. But uh, so sophomore year, hmm. Uh, I finally got a PlayStation 4. I was playing Call of Duty, still playing COD, stopped playing Minecraft. Minecraft was kind of dying out. I really liked it, but there was this bad, like, reputation that it's for kids. And I wanted to be, mm, freshman year, trying to be like the cool kids started getting back. I started trying to be like the cool kids again because the cool kids were actually cool. The cool kids were actually nice. So I wanted to be a cool kid. I remember freshman year. This moment is pretty embarrassing. I still had fucked up teeth. I still didn't get my braces yet. So freshman year, I stayed after school for a class, science class. I walked in. Two of the hottest girls and we're in that class. And this one girl said hi to me. She said hi. She said hi. There was nobody else around. The teacher wasn't in class yet. It was just me, her friend, her and her friend and me in that class. And she said hi when I walked in. And I was like, uh, I don't remember saying hi back. I don't remember saying hi back. I just remember sitting the fuck down. <laughs> She probably thought, damn, what a boss. <laughs> but in my head, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, I didn't know what to say. I still remember that. That was so fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> I remember I went to the restroom like 10 minutes later. Uh, because this teacher came back and I said, could I go to the restroom? And I went to the restroom. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I should have said something. She was, I think I looked cool in freshman year, but I still had fucked up teeth. But I still didn't realize that my teeth didn't fucking matter. So, I never actually tried to talk to her. So, that was it. I think I just looked at her and went like, what's up? Like, you know, that head nod, like, uh, thank you, or uh, what's up, or whatever. Uh, you know, yeah. So, sophomore year, playing Call of Duty on the PlayStation, still being a nerd, diving into, uh, what was I into? I was into creating websites with this website builder. It was just fun at that time. Uh, yes. Meeting a couple of friends, sophomore year. Yeah, still a nerd, still playing. And then junior year was the year. The year that I actually, I started talking to like the cool kids. And they started like talking back. So that year. I was still I was still playing Call of Duty, but then out of nowhere it stopped because I met this girl. I met this girl, and 
since it was the first girl that I've ever actually talked to throughout the whole time, it became like an obsession. And I thought at that time, I thought it was love because at the first was the first girl I've ever talked to. My brain right now is trying to add filters because I'm scared that she might listen to this. So my brain is trying to add filters to, but I'm, I'm combating this right now in my head. I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. So I'm turning that off. I'm like, no, 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 not today. So first girl I've ever talked to, obsession. So I'm just going to keep fast forwarding. Uh, <laughs> it was funny <laughs> because I liked her. And guess how I approached her. It was through Twitter DMs. And then she was very nice. She seemed interested, but I blew it. I like blew it big time. I DM'd her after school. Because I didn't have the boss. And sorry for any kids listening out there. I didn't have the courage. So, and then it took me a week. So we, we had one class together. Like, dude, what? That's embarrassing. Just go up and talk to her. But it took me a week to finally build the courage to go and talk to her. And then after the, after the, the first DM, a week passed by. I just kept DMing. I believe I kept DMing. I never actually went to talk to her in class. Just picture that. How weird is that? This dude DMs you. You actually reply back. You guys started talking after school. You guys have a class together. And you never fucking go up. She, and he never goes up and talks to you. You're probably like, what? Is this dude interested in me or not? And then... Uh, a week passed by, I finally go up and talk to her, but it was after school when I knew that everybody's just walking out because I didn't want like a straight on confrontation or direct communication. So I I knew that if I went after school, we would be side to side walking out. So I wasn't dumb. I was trying to aid my weakness. <laughs> so uh, out there. And then I believe I'm just keep fast forwarding. Uh we kept talking mostly on the phone, on the text. We never, we went to the movies once and I was hella awkward. I didn't know what to say. Uh, we watched the movie. I was like, mm. it was actually Black Panther. It was a really good movie. RP. It was a really good movie. After the movie, we just, we just, we didn't really talk, dude. It was so weird. I just looked at her. We went to Wingstop because Wingstop was like a two-minute walk from the from the movies. And we sat outside while my parents came to pick me up. And her brother came to pick her up. And then I believe I asked her, uh, what's your favorite color? <laughs> I, I swear to God. I, oh, my God. I don't want to say that. But I, I asked her, what's your favorite color? And just questions like that. So Dumb, dumb question. I just blew it. But she was so nice. She still kept talking to me. Like, there's good people in life out there. There's really good people, guys. And we kept talking all the way. Then junior year is finishing. You know, we still keep talking mostly on the phone, texting, FaceTiming. And then it came summer. And then she cut me off, which is reasonable. This dude is freaking obsessed and it was for the best yes i was heartbroken i thought it was love i thought it was oh my god my first love no 
<laughs> but it wasn't true love. And now that I look back on it, it was a necessary experience that I needed to go through. And it's, it was very useful. Uh, after that senior year, I was like this heartbroken kid. You know, so I started working out. One of the biggest motivators I believe for working out is, ha- is being heartbroken. I think having some like type of pain. Uh, this is just going on a tangent. But I started working out because, uh, oh my God, no filters, no filters, George. I wanted to get like revenge <laughs> or, <laughs> or you're missing out. <laughs> so I started working out. I started going hard at the gym. And then senior year came, boom. I wore the tightest shirts, pants, trying to make myself look even bigger. So cringe. Uh, and then girls started noticing me. Uh, DMs as well. You know, I finally started talking to girls. This thing that was forbidden from me for a long time. Finally. Finally. I was like, oh my God. Finally. <laughs> and then I senior year was probably the funnest year of my whole school career uh yes started people actually started talking to me uh started going out more it was cool education wise wasn't paying attention in class at, at all what i was worried about in class was is there a hot girl in here that's what i I was like, dude, now that I look back at it, but I, it was a necessary experience as well, because now if I didn't experience that at that time, I would probably be wanting to experience that now. So I'm very thankful for the way that I went through my career in education. So after high school, the need for or the seek seeking girls and the cool kids started fading away again. In college, it was like at 50% around there. College was mostly about, I was trying to find like the purpose. What is my purpose in life? Uh, I knew I liked computers, so I went with acting. Something not related to computers at all. Smart, huh? I went with acting. And yes. The other classes were just like U.S. history, stuff like that. Not U.S. history. They don't, they don't have that in college. It was like world history, I believe. And acting, I was actually very interested in acting. But when I went into the class, he gave us books. We're going to read about the best actors. Or it was something about something of that sort. Because I never actually read any books. I don't know what the books were about. But he gave us some books instead and made us study i'm like dude i want to act i want to go on stage but uh i believe i was i did one year in college and then i dropped out because i didn't really like it but it was one of the peaceful years of my life i was very uh i look back at those years and i was actually pretty happy i was pretty peaceful with myself I was at peace with myself. I was working out. I was going to school. I felt like I was working towards something. So that need for progress was being met. So I was fulfilled. I was happy. 
I was working out, still kind of talking to girls, still kind of having some friends. But those two things were fading. Less friends, less talking to girls, more trying to focus on the purpose side. Uh, and then I think it was COVID. COVID 2020. It hit bad. And then schools were uh, going online instead of in person. And that's, that was the, the switch that I wanted to drop out. I, I don't want to be on the, the whole, the whole reason I was going to college was because it was cool because, you know, 50% was still seeking for the fun stuff. And then once that was taken away from me, that just dropped zero. I was like, whoa. So I dropped out. I was working at Home Depot at the time. I quit Home Depot and I went to work with my dad. He has a Windows company called Windows and Chewy. If you need Windows here in the Dallas, Texas area, call 214. <laughs> he has a Windows uh, installation company here in Grand Prairie, Texas. And that's why I went to work with at that time. He was still, um, he was scaling up. And I was just helping him at first, the first six months, eight months, I wasn't really trying to help him, if I'm being honest. Zero filters. I was honestly at that time, I was, uh, it was just an easy job, so I was just taking advantage of it. I was playing Call of Duty on my spare time in the job with my friends on my computer. I was trying to go pro. That's the lie I told myself to make myself feel better for playing games. That was the lie I'm telling myself because I know some people could go pro. So if you're listening to this and you're trying to go pro on video games, go go all in. But I know that I wasn't really good at video games, like that good, like really, really that good. Like I wasn't being true to myself. But if you know you can put the hours in, keep going. Don't let me just... What I'm saying demotivate you from your goals, okay? You keep going. Uh, but anyways, other than that, damn, I went off on a tangent. I didn't want to demotivate anybody, so I wanted to say that. So the other thing was after a couple of months of working with my dad, I actually started liking it. I was like, I like this customer experience, like this face-to-face with random people and helping them get what they need. And I just, and I also like computers. So I started building systems for him. Like for example, uh, we went online. He used to do everything on uh, pen and paper. I was like, what? He was so, it was so inefficient. It was so inefficient. It took a lot of time. So what we did, we set up a uh, online coding system which allowed us to do quotes like in five minutes. And it used to take hours to do quotes because you had to do the calculations on the calculator, then write it on the pen. But now we had a system and I was also helping with, I don't even want to say about all this stuff because it's going to be boring, but it pretty much just all the system processes online. I helped them. Uh, we started scaling up. Uh, so that's the other thing that I noticed. I stick to something if I feel like my need of progress is being made. So we were progressing as a company. We kept growing. Revenue kept growing. I started getting more into the uh, system and processes. I just, I love that. I love that stuff. I like automating things. 
even though a lot could be bad, but uh, I kept doing that. Uh, but then at a certain point, I was like, okay, cool. Like my dad's company has grown. Uh, he's working towards it. It's his company. And at first I had a vision of helping, of helping him over a while. And we were like being successful, whatever you want to label it. I was like, dude, I could really build this and build this into a big, big company. But then my, my ego got in the way. And I was like, thinking to myself, if I build this, people will say that I was gifted. I was gifted this opportunity that I really, that I didn't really work for it. So I decided to go off on my own. I had these thoughts to go off on my own. I still didn't actually take action on it. I was like, I want to go off on my own and build something for myself. So nobody can take anything away from me. All my hard work. Uh, but the thing holding me back was, I love my dad. I don't want to just leave him there. I love my dad. So, so it was pretty hard. But I knew that I would regret if I didn't. And I would be building resentment at the workplace, which was building. And it was my fault. I was staying. I was deciding to stay because in my head, I was saying my dad needs me. And at the same time, I was building resentment towards him for a decision that I made. Is that dumb or not? (laughs) So I started catching that and... I didn't want to have a bad relationship. So I said, okay, it's time for me to go because I need to go. So I finally decided to go. But first, before I quit the job, I didn't quit. I just started working less. I went from working from seven till six every day except Sundays to working every Saturday, just like three hours. So I considered that quitting my job. I only worked there Saturdays for like three hours for the accounting stuff. I check the numbers, making make sure everything's good. Everything looks good. That's what I do. I don't really see that as a job or anything. I'm t- I technically quit. So I decided to quit after I found a business idea and actually started working. So this business idea was Airbnb arbitrage. I got, I went into this deep thing. Actually, if I'm being real, I want to be honest, my first business idea was a social media agency, which I'm currently doing, but that's further in the future. But my first idea was a social media agency. I set up everything. I set up the logo, the website. And during this time, I'm not talking, I want to give context. I'm not talking to mostly anybody, none of my friends. I cut them all off because I watched this video of, your network is your network. I mean, your net worth is your network. So I decided to cut everybody off, cut off everybody. I stopped talking to girls. I stopped nothing. All I was doing was reading, working out, and trying to build this social media agency. So I started doing logos, my logo, my website, my systems, thinking about all the ways that I'm at outreach. Should I do emails, cold call? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do DMs. Okay, let me set up my scripts. And then by the time I finally bought everything, I bought a microphone, a uh, ear calling device, 
by the time I've had everything, I lost motivation. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Boom. And I believe this is a huge lesson that I learned after doing this. I read a book by uh, Ray Dalio called The Principles, I believe. And he says that motivation is temporary. I don't know if this is a book. Sometimes I forget what book I read it from. But as he says, the book said, motivation is temporary. So once you have this amazing idea, take action immediately. And that's what I didn't do. So, yeah, should have just done outreach sooner. So once I lost motivation, I went, okay, what's the next What's the next business idea? This obviously is not working for me and it wasn't working because I never took action, but that's, so I decided to go with Airbnb Arbitrage, my second business idea. And this one, I learned from the book, Take Action. So as soon as I got this idea, guess what? I just jumped, I just jumped towards it. I got my first unit. I bought a course store. I bought a course from Sean Rockadish. He's here in Dallas. Great dude, super smart, down to earth. He taught me the whole system, the processes, how to acquire units, everything, all that good stuff. So I got my first unit fast because of him. And then I got six other units. And since I became more of a shoot, then ask questions kind of guy when I was setting up these units, when I was getting these units, I was in a rush. I was in a rush. I was in a rush of getting all these units. And the six units that I got were... Uh, so there's this whole process for getting units. And I rushed through it. And I got yeses that I'm allowed to operate from the lower level employees. And I was rushing through it. And if I'm being honest, I knew that the lower level, by lower level employees, I don't mean anything bad. I'm just saying like in, ter in terms of authority, the lower level authority employees, I knew they were going to say yes. So they said yes. So I started operating even though the top authority, the property manager never was uh, let known. He was never advice on my company operating there and when he realized he was actually very very nice he said that we can only operate with these very specific strict rules and I could operate in between those rules but I knowing right reading those rules I knew that I wasn't going to be profitable and I was actually going to lose a lot of money so at that time, I was like, fuck, right now I'm struggling because I really want to tell you guys the truth, but my brain is kind of embarrassed to say this to you guys, but I'm embarrassed to say this, but I don't even know why. There's just a lot of emotions during these experiences, uh, but before I started this, I asked my dad for $40,000 to help me build this business. And I was so convicted that it was going to work. And he believed in me. Like, he really believed in me. 
And um, in the first unit, I have to be completely honest with you guys. The first unit, I was operating illegally on that unit. Illegally. I never got permission from the property manager there. And I was operating there illegally. I was being extremely profitable. And just greed just got over my, just clouded my judgment, my head. And the whole reason I wanted to make money was for status. I wanted people to just see that I'm actually somebody. So that was just a bad mistake there. First unit operated illegally. Six units, I rushed through it. Operated kind of legally. I did operate legally. I got everything on written, but the property manager was never advised. So I had an option there. I'm currently running six units. One is illegal. Six units I can operate, but I'm going to lose money. So there's no point in operating unless I want to give away free cash. At that time, I was making around 40000 a month. And it was it was break even, break even money. So forty thousand dollars um were coming every month into my account, and then I had to pay forty thousand dollars worth of bills, invoices. So I never really kept anything there because I rushed through the whole process. I never built a strong enough foundation to have to have like a like a spread of profit. I just rushed through everything. I rushed through everything just so I could say, hey, I'm a successful Airbnb operator. I have seven units. So I decided I need to vacate all the units. So I vacated the six units. I told the property manager, I'm leaving. I can't I can't operate here. So uh, we broke the lease and now I've sold all the furniture and I believe after selling all the furniture and paying all the move out fees, I had to pay a lot of move out fees. I am at $12,000 in debt right now for fees. And for the illegal unit, I decided to, uh, for the illegal like operating unit, I had a guess at that unit and at that unit, you can only park on the street, not in the garage. And I told her that specifically, I have these automated messages and she decided to park inside the garage. And if you park inside the garage, you get towed and she got towed. And then she called me She and I didn't answer. I was working. It was a Saturday. Saturdays are my accounting day, so I didn't answer. So since I didn't answer, she decided to go to the main office. And this is, remember, this is a unit that I am not allowed to do Airbnb. And when she went into the office, they told her, hey, she went in there saying, hey, my car got towed. I'm staying at this Airbnb. What do I do? And they said, hmm, we don't do Airbnbs here. So that's strange. And I'm fucked. <laughs> but not really. There's somebody looking out 
for me. She tells me, and she calls me again. This time I answer. She's like, I know you're operating illegal. You're being beat. I'm, I'm suing you if you don't pay me $600 right now for the tow and for my, uh, what is it called? The state trip? It was like a $300 night. And yeah, so I just paid her 600 Honestly, I just didn't want to argue on the phone. I was like, okay, I'll pay you $600. Uh, I kind of I saw this coming a long time ago, so I was kind of mentally prepared for this. So I said, okay, $600. I send them to her. And at this time, uh, in my head, I'm like, Wow. Like that. I'm honestly thinking inside my head, can this get any worse? And this is just like two months ago. It's not that long ago. So just to recap, I owe my dad 40K. I owe 15K move out fees. So now that I got caught on this one illegal unit, I decided to vacate this one too. So now I move everything out. And now in total, I have like around... 17k that I owe to these apartments and 40k that I owe to my dad, which I told him I'm gonna pay back by the end of this year. And I have to follow through because a man's word is a man's everything. I didn't tell you guys, but when I was told by the property manager that I couldn't operate the way that I was operating, I thought I was fucked. I did the math. I knew I was going to be negative. I was like, no. I remember I went to Starbucks. I drove to Starbucks. I parked outside. I stayed in the car. I rolled my windows up. I put the little sunshade thing the one that reflects the sun on my windshield make sure nobody can see inside because my windows on the sides are very tinted so once i did that you can't really see inside and i just started crying i just started crying for like 15 minutes just crying crying i just started crying mostly because i thought i fooled my dad I thought I failed myself. It's like all this hard work. I used to drive there all the time. I used to spend like hours setting stuff up. All this time learning just for this. I just started crying. I didn't know what else to do. I just started crying. Wow. Took me like 20 minutes to gather myself up. After the 20 minutes, I stopped crying. I thought about it again and I cried for another 20 minutes. I was honestly there for like about an hour just crying outside. I had the AC on, by the way. Um, so, yes, yeah, so after that whole thing, boom, two months, I'm here today, boom. Two months, that whole thing happens. Now I'm like, cool. I need cash flow in because I need to pay debt, but I still have a mission. 
I still have a mission. So what I'm currently doing that I've been doing for the past two months, as soon as the Airbnb business fell, I started up my social media agency back. This time I'm just going heavy on outreach. I learned all the fundamentals of Facebook ads, uh, Google ads, and just building click funnels. I've, I've always built click funnels out of pure enjoyment. So now I'm looking for clients to for my social media agency to build sales funnel, do Facebook ads, Google ads for. That's what I'm currently doing. I currently have been working with two clients. So right now I'm kind of like a freelancer, not really an agency owner because I don't have any employees. So I see myself right now as a freelancer, but I call myself an agency owner because I really got to have this mindset. And so this is my current path is social media. I want to be one of the greatest marketers, but for that, I have to work my way out there. I just, did I really just say that? I want to be one of the best marketers. I keep looking outside just because I'm outside and somebody can come in anytime and murder me. <laughs> but, um, so yes, so that's my current, my current passion is just marketing. I don't know why. Something about running Facebook ads and Google ads and creating sales funnel and also videos that ties in into social media, which I see as marketing as, as well. So I'm really, I really love videos. I don't know, just something about creating videos and editing videos. It's like, a, it's like a passion, like a passion. I just really like it. And after videos there, after this whole thing, I have this mission because during this whole time, two months of doing outreach and the three months of building my agency and the very beginning before I started Airbnb. So it was like five months of building the foundations. So this is a pretty strong foundation. I'm not just, it's not like the Airbnb one. So, and I built these foundations, guess where? At a library. I like working at a library. I go my, take my laptop there. And I just do outreach there. I really dial in there. I, re I really focus. So that's my ultimate mission is tied into the library. I want to build libraries around the world for like third world countries that lack. And my mission statement is man on a mission to build libraries around the world with adequate, 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 adequate resources and environment to promote growth. So basically, it's just like a cool statement. What the fuck? Um, I want to build libraries to help kids provide like a safe environment where they can actually grow like books. Because I'm very privileged. I look like a white male. I'm very privileged. I know that. I'm very fortunate to have the parents that I have very fortunate and I'm aware of that I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at right now the health that I have everything I'm fully aware well I think I'm fully aware <laughs> but yes so I have to take advantage of what I'm what I was gifted and I have to give back to others
I had to build something. And in order to build these amazing libraries, what do I need? You guessed it, I need money. So I need to keep going with my passion as well and hopefully build a beautiful big agency that can support my overarching mission. One thing I did miss out on during the Airbnb business was I screwed a lot of people over, if I'm being honest. I am talking about guests, a lot of guests over. Probably throughout my Airbnb business, I had like around 300, 400 guests stay at my units. And I have a strict cancellation policy in all of my units. I had passed and some of them had to cancel due to family emergencies and stuff. And I never refunded money back. I was so full of greed. And I just hope nobody does this. But I did. It still haunts me. Especially this specific situation. This man booked two months, which was worth. It wasn't two months. It was. It was a one month, and it was worth four thousand dollars. And I have a no cancellation policy, so he booked it. Boom. And then three days later, he said he had to cancel. Because his wife is having a baby. And he needed a refund. Fuck, man. And I didn't give it to him. And... They can see your phone number, uh, and they he texted me. He's like, "Can you please give me a refund? Uh, I'm having a hard time. My family, we won't be able to go. Uh, my wife is having a baby. He sent me pictures to prove that she's actually having a baby. Uh, he said he saved up in the last couple of months to be able to." afford this trip and that he would really appreciate if I could uh, just refund him the money. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I pretended I was an employee at that time and I told him I didn't have access or the authority to provide a refund to you and I'm extremely sorry. But I had I had the access. I could refund them in an instant, but I decided not to. The selfishness and greed of getting four thousand dollars out of nothing. Just I thought it was cool. I thought it was like, wow, I'm a great businessman. This is what business is. You screw people over. You're a great businessman, George. A week went by, 
And I told him, if you cancel, I'll refund you your money. Because he never canceled. His his booking day was still like two days. And he was texting me two days prior, letting me know that if I can refund him. He wasn't as aware of the whole process like I was. I knew the terms and conditions, when he should cancel so I could get the money. I knew how to get him. So I told him, if you cancel right now, I'll refund you your money, knowing that if he canceled right now, I keep 100% of the money. But if if he canceled, I just... So he canceled as soon as I told him, expecting his money, and then I just, as soon as he canceled, I'm allowed, everybody gives you the option to block them because they're no longer a guest, so I blocked them, and now I have 100% of the money. And, well, I have, and he no longer can message me on my, on Airbnb because I blocked him. But he still had my phone because he called me prior to me blocking him. So a week went by and I get a call. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a regular day. I'm operating. i I believe at that time I was uh, I was scheduling the cleaners. Like where where are you gonna go? I was telling them you're gonna clean this unit and this. Because I had a cleaner, a team of cleaners at that time. It was a team of two. I was like the manager. I told them I was the manager, not the boss, because I didn't want them to. I wanted to build a deeper connection. I thought that would help. but So I was currently helping those cleaners. And I got a call. It was from that guy. He sounded so young. He sounded like my age. He had a he had a wife and a kid, and, and look up, oh look up, and uh, yeah, if you're watching this, dude, uh, I'm sorry. I know that I can't really. Uh, I don't have the money now. I'm in debt, but message me back. Once I really start making, once I really build this, and that's the least that I owe you, which I know it doesn't really mean a lot anymore. I probably already damaged a lot. I'm going back to the story for you guys, because I really want to be transparent to how much damage I caused, and I wasn't a great man. Uh, he called me, and he said if he could please have it back. And I lied again. I lied. I sinned. And I told him the same story. I'm a manager. I can't, I'm not the manager. I just work here. I can't really, I don't have the access to refund you. And he told me that his wife is crying. She feels guilty that she's crying while having a baby. She is crying because she feels guilty that they won't get a refund. From the money they've been saving up to go on a fun trip. She feels guilty. She's crying. And he's trying to calm her down. 
that she's crying and she's crying and if I could please just help him get the refund from from my supposedly boss. I didn't do it. I blocked him. I blocked him and I just ignored him. I'm not. I'm not the man I portrayed myself to be. That's this great guy. So, I believe karma got me real good. Everything was going good at that time, and then that's when the property manager decided, hey, you can no longer operate the way you're operating. I truly believe karma will get you. So if you do things bad in life, it will come around. It will come around. So that's probably one of the reasons that I have this mission of mine. Because of this guilt that I have, I want to build libraries for other people, kids. Probably for uh, to uh, help me sleep better at night, probably. To take this guilt away from me. Uh, he's not the only person, by the way. But he was probably one of the worst situations. So I want to be a good businessman. I want to be a great marketer. I want to be good. I want to be good. Just like Gary Vee once said, you can be a great businessman and be kind. Before I ran into him on social media, I thought that businessmen were rough men, that only the tough survived. So that's what I try to live up to. A rough, tough businessman. And now, doing this, I want to be good, I want to be kind, I want to be great. That's what I'm going to do. And hopefully I can not right my wrongs, but be good. Just get back. Put smiles on people instead of sad faces. So, just wanted to be completely transparent throughout my whole story. And I'm currently working on my agency, have an internship with this amazing dude. His name is Bobby, Bobby King. He's, I, I'm, I'm an intern at his company, and he's teaching me all about videos, which is one of my passions. So I'm currently learning with him. And he's a man of God. And, man of God. And just by being around him, I was only around him once, and and it's it feels good. It feels like I'm a man of God now, so I have to do it good. 
And that's what I'm going to do. It feels right now. It feels right to fight for the good. To fight to be good. So I will do this. This is, my name is George, George Flores. This is my origin story. And I told you my mission. I hope you guys have a beautiful day. This was a long episode for Obsessed with the Game podcast. And take care. Bye. Lately I've been feeling like a renegade. Somebody save me.